wait, somebody's gonna die. On a day off, all high fashion, looking fly. When she kills, you know your mama's gonna cry. I got a question, just ask Kenny, he's your guy. Penultimate episode of Killing Eve Season 3 is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps, talking about Beautiful Monsters Season 3, Episode 7 of Killing Eve. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, joined here by Jessica Lees. Jess, we gotta keep running into each other like this. On the podcast, Mike, I think it's always a good idea. Look, there is no such thing as a nice surprise, Josh Wiggler. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that true? Or do you, do you really not like surprises? Yeah, I honestly, I I do not. You could you could live without them. I, I was the kid that like picked all the tape off my Christmas presents and peeked mm-hmm. at them and then taped them back up. Yeah. So, you know, but I I hope we have a good time podcasting today. I'd really like to earn that omelet. I'm getting kind of hungry. But I mean, technically, if you it, you were still being surprised by what the Christmas presents were, it's just like you weren't being surprised in front of your family. Yeah, that's true. But I could also like if they got me something I didn't like that they were excited about. It's an unpleasant I could mitigate surprise. my response. Yeah. No, that's smart. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. I did the same thing. I did. I did a very similar thing. I would go on uh, like X Men action figure hunts throughout the night. It's like I, I can smell Wolverine is somewhere in the house. Uh, and I was usually right. It was always fun. Um, all right, let's talk about Killing Eve. Let's not talk about Wolverine unless Wolverine comes up again naturally. As in, like if uh, Constantine had. Uh, a healing factor that would probably be very good for him considering he's currently hospitalized with dasha that would be good maybe dasha has a mutant healing factor considering she got whacked in the head and somehow is not dead uh lots going on here as we're getting into the end game jess who on this show does not have a healing factor josh I mean, all of the main cast have almost <laughs> died may i introduce you to mo who does not seem to have a healing factor yeah i mean poor mo uh the only person on this show without a healing factor. <laughs> is Mo the only character to have ever actually died on Killing Eve? And has everybody else who has apparently died, are they secretly waiting for some kind of comeback? Well, I think, unfortunately, we're probably, we've probably seen the last of Kenny. We've yeah. probably seen the last of Bill. But yeah. everybody else, I think they could come, they could have a comeback. Yeah. Frank, it seems like it would be difficult for Frank to come back. Yeah, and if he did come back, he might not be happy with the shape he was in. <laughs> yeah, like one specific shape in particular yes. he's pretty upset about. Yes, indeed. Uh, lots to talk about here, Jess, as we are not only going to talk about the penultimate episode, we'll also do some forecasting for the season finale. Uh, we also have a little bit of a, a little bonus segment that we're going to be doing here at the end of the podcast. Jess, I can't remember if we had said on the podcast, or if this was just something that happened completely offline, back during episode three, when the Toffee Eclairs were introduced, uh, back when uh, Carolyn and uh, Mo were on a stakeout, and they were talking about Toffee Eclairs, uh, at the very least, as soon as we got off the podcast, you and I stayed on the line for like an extra half hour ordering candy from the UK. Uh, and that candy has arrived. And many of these items, uh, I have three items that have arrived here in New York uh, at the suggestion of one Jessica Lee. And Jess, we are going to uh, I'm going to do a taste test. You're going to guide me through it. I'm to understand there is music involved. Uh, and uh, probably for the listener. Um, 
some ASMR. If you don't like the chewing sounds, the mouth sounds, uh, we'll give you ample warning of when it's time for you to cut bait and run. I mean, arguably, my contribution to this is much worse and more damaging than yours, but I'm pretty sure we're going to hemorrhage <laughs> listeners after this. <laughs> well, look, we only have one episode left after this, so if they're not gone already, if they survived the skip week and made it through a double <laughs> episode, uh, then I, I think we're, we're, we're safe to, to play around here and uh, eat some, some Jaffa cakes, Jaffa cakes. What are these? I think they're Jaffa cakes. Jaffa cakes. We'll eat some Jaffa cakes here on Yan Internets. Uh, of course, you can always send your feedback to us, Killing Eve at PostShowRecaps.com. If you decide that you really disliked the snack segment, uh, you can let us know. Uh, and you can, uh, uh, I was going to say, you could forward uh, your, your bills for damages to that email address. But actually, that you should send to PineappleBoy27 on Twitter. Jess, let's talk about Killing Eve this week, because I feel like this was... Like after a couple of weeks of like, what exactly are we doing this season? Like this felt a lot more like, uh, well, what we're doing this season is a lot right now as we are trying to sprint towards the finish line of clearly like Villanelle and Constantine looking to get out the game. Constantine having a hard time getting out the game. Villanelle doing some maybe very stupid things on her way getting out the game. And Eve closing in uh, at least... Uh, getting really, really close to Villanelle in this episode in physical proximity and then uh, over the phone by the end of the episode. Was this like too much stuff or was this like the exact right amount of stuff for you? See, I always like it when they pack a truly bonkers amount of content into an episode. And, you know, this is this is something I enjoy. I enjoy like this is why we are unpacking it. That's our job, right? Yeah. So when there is a lot going on, there's a lot to unpack. And I honestly... I can't think of a time where I've felt overwhelmed by this show and I didn't hit that point here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought that this was great. I actually, I loved this episode. Uh, I thought a, a lot going on, uh, fun to see Villanelle on assignment again. We're getting to explore, um, the Helene character a little bit more, who seems to be like the highest up at the 12 that we've ever seen. Um, you would think is sort of just like, sort of like, uh, whatever, like the bureaucrat, of you know position is within the 12 but she makes a very serious threat towards villanelle in this episode i'm now in the place where like i'm wondering can she back that up jess like is this person who we're we're getting to meet especially with dasha like bedridden by the end of the episode is helene like is she the new badass to watch on the board uh telling villanelle like you wouldn't be able to kill me with that dining room chair uh you'd be you'd be dead before you got the got the chance to do it Well, there is a trope on shows like this, very much like this, and I'm sure you can think of a few of these examples yourself, where you are introduced to, you have your show, you have your bad guy, then you have your even badder bad guy, and then you have your baddest of all bad guys who's like above the bad guy, and you know that there's like more people, it's like turtles all the way up here, but you have your baddest of bad guys who seems like they're going to be the biggest, scariest, baddest threat. And I would venture a guess that she is not long for this program. I think there's that really baddest of bad guys who gets taken out suspiciously easily. Yeah. I I would say the, not to spoil too much here, but I think the Admiral Snoke character. 
If ah, you I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, there. okay. Yes. I don't know what well, that good, means. Well, good. Then I, I just spoiled a thing. You have no idea what I'm talking so about. So what you're talking about is uh, Helene is going to get uh, disemboweled slash cut in half via thrown lightsaber. Yes. Yes. They're yeah. just going to fling a lightsaber at her and it's going to throw a dining room quite cha- neatly. With a the, dining room chair yes. is going to clip her in half. Yes, that's exactly what's going to happen here. And, you know, I see why the tiny chair comes into play because I think like Snoke was fond of tiny chairs. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it all makes sense to me. Uh, and the tiny houses, probably not as much. Yeah, I, this is not a crowd that likes tiny houses. I mean, look where Villanelle was living. No, no. Uh, but it could be that that's what she's headed towards uh, if she's not able to get Constantine's money. Um, but the whole deal with Villanelle this week is like she... She's, you know, signaled to Constantine last week that, like, I want to get out the game. I'm done. I, I know that you're you're angling towards something. I want to be part of that. And so, like, Scotland is going to be the, the, the way from which they, they depart. And it's part of, like, this Dasha mission. And she's been told, like, all right, uh, act, don't do anything brash. And she says, all right, I'll act perfectly normal. And that's when Constantine last week was like, well, don't do that because then they'll know something is up. So she accepts an assignment, but she goes rogue in the assignment. She instead of killing this mega douche guy uh, on the golf course, she ends up taking a literal swing at Dasha and leaving Dasha for dead and leaving a witness alive. Um, what did you make of everything that's going on with with Villanelle here? Is this does she not have the appetite for it anymore? Is this just like she hates Dasha so much in this moment in time that she's taking it out on Dasha? I think she assumes she's getting out the game much faster than she may actually get out the game. So I think she assumes it does not matter if she leaves a witness because everyone's going to know it's her anyway. Right, right. So she could afford to be sloppy because she's just going to be in the wind. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I'm in Cuba, suckers, peace. Um, But it does seem to me that it is an interesting contrast with the Villanelle we saw at the beginning of the season who was thinking about killing a baby that might have been a witness. Right. And she is at the point now where it's, she's not as, you know, she's not as cavalierly dispatching anyone that might be able to concretely place her where she is. She's so, she's so dispassionate. She's so lost her mojo or whatever it is. And she's so focused on not doing this thing anymore that the way she does it is she's not focusing on it being as seamless as it once was. Yeah. I think um, what's, what's interesting to me is this line that Helene has towards Villanelle about how you're just a child and how that's been explored this year. I think like it, it was even, it was, it was really obviously like that is very forefront with the episode where Villanelle goes home, kills her own mom, um, how, first of all, how does that rank in comparison to what she did to her mom when she was three? What's worse, uh, killing her mom or pooping in her mom's shoe? Um, you know, I think we've all been there on the latter front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ever tell you about the time that uh, the late, great Leopardo DiCaccio, my old cat, uh, pooped in my pants? <laughs> you weren't in the pants at the time, were you? I was not in the pants at the time, but I, I, I had my pants beside my bed and put my pants on. And lo and behold, there was a poop. <laughs> and I like I screamed as my legs burst through the pants legs. I was like, ah, it's a poop. And I leapt up in the air 
and I slammed down into the ground and my bare foot crushed the poop. It was awful. How fresh was the poop? It was probably at least uh, an overnight at the at the oldest. As okay, because the yeah. freshness of the poop, I think, is you know inversely proportional to how tolerable this is. Yeah, like old yeah. poop. Okay, you know, very fresh, squishy poop. That's much worse. This is bad on me for bringing it up, considering we have a chocolate taste test to do. That's uh, on by you, the Josh. End of this podcast. This is my fault. I, I would like to blame Killing Eve first and foremost for introducing the idea of pooping in somebody's shoe, uh, which was uh, very much a part of the show. So it's not like we've veered too far off topic. Yeah, uh, a little bit off topic, but we're adjacent to the show's actual content. Um, what was really pronounced to me, Jess, was not just like the parental themes with with Villanelle being a kid. Um, through through that line from from Helene and like kind of like treating her like a kid, the inappropriate touching yes. and all of that, which is a very funny line. Uh, thank you for touching me inappropriately. Um, but the way that the episode ends for Constantine, who's had the heart attack, who I'm I was really surprised that he made it. I really thought for a bit that they were killing Constantine in the scene where he had the heart attack. Well, especially since we faked him out before. I know. Yeah, earlier in the episode, and it's like, okay, were we just like baking that in that he's he's going to die here? Um, but that like he's dad, right? And Dasha's kind of mom. And now mom and dad are in the hospital together. Uh, and like, what's going to happen with Villanelle's parents being paired off together by the end of this episode while Villanelle is calling Eve from who knows her. I mean, as far as we know, she could be, you know, she could be in Cuba. Yeah, she could. I think it takes a little bit more doing to get to Cuba, but she's on her way. Certainly. I, I guess that would be a, a very slow train ride from Scotland back to the UK for Eve. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's a very slow train ride from Scotland to Cuba. Yeah, well, it is. <laughs> you know, it would take a long time to get to Cuba uh, build from Scotland that by train. Mm. You know, <laughs> how long do you think that's it? Like years? Yeah. You know, I, I don't like know. Decades, maybe. We don't have the technology. And also Cuba doesn't have the infrastructure. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's going to take a lot, like a generation at least. Yeah, and um, I would be, I would be very, very, very surprised if Villanelle makes it to Cuba at all, at all, ever. Yeah, like she's yeah. not going to make it to the airport. Something's going to happen between between then and now, and she is going to be pulled back into the game because Villanelle not in the game is not the show. Yeah, of course, of course, totally agreed. Um, but. What do you think is going to happen? So she's call she calls Eve by the end of the episode, and Eve gets the call. Uh, even when they have their near miss, it's like a very pleasant near miss, right? It's like two you know yep. two old flames passing in the night as they as they both wave at each other as the train is departing. Uh, and Villanelle calls Eve, and that's where we leave them in the episode. Look, this is a show where we've had two finales thus far, Jess, uh, on Killing Eve, and as we're looking down the barrel of another one. We have to wonder how it's going to play with the trend we've seen across the two finales. In the first finale, Eve stabbed Villanelle. In the second finale, Villanelle returned the favor, so to speak, by shooting Eve. What's going to happen in next week's episode? Uh, it's clear that they're on a collision again. And this season has been, uh, maybe in some ways it feels like, like a little bit of a strange season because it has had the least amount of Eve and Villanelle together. You got to think it's going to be a pretty heavy, even Villanelle finale, and it could end rather lethally. Though I don't feel like either of them are in a position to like actually stab each other. 
you know, like it feels like they are they are uh it it seems to me like they might be in a place to be on the same page again for the first time in a while. So are you saying there might be sloppy makeouts? It could be sloppy makeouts. It could be sloppy makeouts. If the first season is Eve uh like the gave the kiss of death to Villanelle, uh and in the second season Villanelle gives the kiss of death to Eve, is this the season where it ends with them kissing each other? Right? Like they yeah. decide to to go all the way. Yeah. And you know, the the end of the first season, there was a motive there. Like you never thought Eve was not going to do to Villanelle what she did. And then at the end of the second season, there's definitely motive there for Villanelle to be really, really teed off at Eve. And this time there's nothing building that would suggest that. And I guess yeah. arguably that by this time in season two, we didn't have that yet, but it was kind of simmering under the surface. And here, I don't think they've had, they've been on the same page enough to work up enough ire to, for one of them to really take a stab at the other one. So this time it feels like if they get together, it's going to be, it's going to be a different kind of confrontation. Yeah. It's like, we've been apart for so long. Um, like absence has made the heart grow fonder. Uh, I th- I think that that's a fairly likely bet. Yeah, and I think it is. It might be my one gripe with this series, and it's interesting to me because at the beginning of season three, I never would have thought I was the person that would make this gripe. But we have not had enough of them together doing the same thing at all. Yeah, they've yeah, really yeah. been on separate trajectories this whole time, and we like put them together randomly on a bus for ten seconds and. It's not enough. Yeah. I, I really don't feel like they've been in the same story this entire season. And I was hoping there would be something bigger that would like put an umbrella over all of this and bring them together. But what could it be in one episode? Yeah, I think I could see it with Villanelle. Like, I think with Villanelle, it's it's not hard to imagine how that manifests in the form of like, she has spent this season searching for family and for searching for like meaning on that level, right? What has Eve really been doing other than like she got like sucked back? Like if Villanelle is trying to leave the game for something more akin to normal or at least like reclaiming her life to a certain extent, what is it that uh, that Eve has been after? Like she got sucked back into this via Kenny's death Um, and she's not even really being galvanized by what happened to Nico because Nico survived and uh there, I, I guess the way in which we're being galvanized about Nico is the really unsettling scene, right? Where where Eve comes across Dasha in the woods, and Dasha is Dasha making fun of Nico's mustache. Is that what prompts Eve to like crush her her sternum? Yeah, it, it kind of seems like it. And can we go back to Dasha for a second? I want to make sure that I touch on this because we did talk about how sloppy Villanelle is being. Yeah, and. I think the ultimate number one sloppiest thing Villanelle does this episode is she doesn't check to see if Dasha is dead. Yeah. Unless she didn't intend to kill Dasha just to stun her long enough to get to Cuba. I think it's probably that. It's, like, I think yeah. like it doesn't matter to her if, if Dasha's dead or alive. Yeah, but that was a really interesting Eve moment where she steps on Dasha's chest, and I thought she was finishing her off at that point. But Eve doesn't check either, so... I buy it more that Eve thought she was killing Dasha and then didn't, but who knows? I think that she was like, she was like, it was like an Anakin moment, 
you know, not to go back to the Snoke of it all, <laughs> but you know, I think like she's like she's like stepping on her chest and like she's she's seeing like red and seeing younglings in her eyes and like she's ready to go and then she's like, oh god, they're younglings. Oh god, I can't be a murderer. I'm not going to murder this woman right now. Um, but that's the thing is as it regards even Villanelle, Dasha did what she did to Nico in order to like set up Villanelle having killed Nico. Um, and making it seem like that is, uh, you know, that's going to be something that's going to drive a wedge between Eve and Villanelle. That never really happened. Like, not even for really a minute. There was never really even a minute that Eve bought into Villanelle being the person who did anything terrible to Nico. Um, so I, I guess I just, I, I get it from the Villanelle side of things. I think that we've, the show d- has done a really good job this year of digging into her. And showing us more about her and where she literally comes from and what it is she wants with her life. I don't know that we've really gotten that from Eve other than maybe like, is she finding that she misses and craves this level of danger and excitement and is actually pushed by some of this stuff? So if she and Villanelle come into contact with one one another again moving forward, is she going to be like craving this kind of thing where Villanelle wants something more akin to... You know, where we found Eve at the start of the season, just like butchering chickens in a kitchen. Like, is, is, are, they, are they ships in the night in terms of what they want? Is that maybe where we're going? If so, I, I definitely feel it from the Villanelle side much more than I feel it from the Eve side. I'm going to be really curious to see what the finale has to say about Eve. Yeah, I mean, the, really the main thing Eve's been doing all season is ruining Nico's life over and over. That's yeah. kind of been her trajectory. But yeah, I would not be surprised if we get this monologue from Eve next episode that's sort of akin to the Walter White Breaking Bad moment where he says, you know, I I didn't do it for you. I did, I did it, for it for me. me. I, yeah. I think she's going down that I did it for me sort of path where she's realizing how much she kind of likes this dark side of her. And Villanelle is, you know, as you said, she's really she wants to go away from that. If not, if not to get away from the darkness of it, at least to do something different and dark. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just don't know. Uh, So I guess TBD, I mean, her standing on Dasha was freaking crazy. That was that was wild. I mean, and it's weird because we have seen Eve axe murder somebody. uh, (laughs) And yet this didn't this feel like in, in a way this felt a lot darker. It just felt more intimate. It felt like more like pure revenge. It felt like more of a really direct. F you, uh, you've, you've ruined my life and now I'm going to take yours. Like it just, it felt very dark. Uh, so if we're going towards, uh, Darth Palastri, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm interested in it. I just, I don't know if other than this moment, which was a really big moment, um, how much of that did we, did we get this season on the way to it? Yeah, it really, I mean, you didn't see Eve freaking out and throwing up after she crushes Dasha's sternum. Which I think, I think that's kind of the big difference. She murders a guy with an axe, and then she's like, "Oh my god, I killed that guy. He's dead." Right. And right. like, "Yeah, he sucked. He deserves to be dead." Uh, but Eve's kind of coming around to this, "Well, you suck, and you deserve to be dead." Moment. But yeah. you know, not hard enough to actually do the job. I need to note again. Um, it's a it's a pretty lethal episode. Uh, as we mentioned before. R.I.P. Mo. We <laughs> we we see the we see the body. Uh, and I'm, I I should have written down the name 
of Helene's uh, right-hand assassin. Did you catch it by any chance? I did catch it, and then I didn't write it down either. It was like Rianne, I yeah, think, Rianne. something like that. Rianne. Yeah. Um, I thought at first that she was like she was going to be a new protege for Villanelle, but it seems like this is like Helene's like this is her like go to. This is like this is this is my person, right? Like that was the sense that you got that this was like somebody who's like I really trust Rianne to like in a fight between Villanelle and Rianne, Helene would would side with Rianne. It seemed like to me. Yeah, it does seem that way. But when she first is introduced, it looked like she was like the intern. Yeah, exactly. Helene was like, take notes, please. Um, but she she you know tracks Mo. She's got the umbrella, and it's left to the imagination what happened to poor to poor Mo. Um. But how do we suspect this is going to collide with everything that's going on with Carolyn, who, you know, had a real clear line on her boss at MI6, Paul, being a member of the 12. Now Mo is dead. They were about to celebrate. They were about to order in. She's about to take yet another bath where she does some of her best thinking. Uh, and instead, she lets the bath overflow uh, and and just like tears her her room apart because Geraldine has just like so obnoxiously uh gotten under her skin even though Geraldine's just trying to get her mom to to you know feel things um unless this is all just part of her spy tactics Jess uh that Geraldine is just really trying to get uh Carolyn off her game because she's secretly working for the 12. I don't want to jump too far ahead here because we need to dive into this in a big, huge way, but I do have in my notes, God damn it, Wiggler, maybe she is a super spy. Whoa, Let's really? Put a oh, pin in it and yo, come back to it because we yo. need But we need to we need to <laughs> eulogize Mo a little bit more thoroughly. Yeah, do it. A little bit Let's more thoroughly it. as yeah. it is. <laughs> Mo money, Mo problems. Let's get into it. Yeah. Eulogy for Mo. This is where typically I go, nope, because we barely knew him. Um, but uh it's sad that like the lesson from Eve was right, which is like, you know what happens to people who, who work at MI6? Not good. Uh, and sadly, it was not good for Mo. Yeah. And I mean, Carolyn points out, he knew what he was getting into. That's what the job is. But right. I just want to say yet again, my least favorite trope on this show is someone finds the thing and stays alive just long enough to call somebody and's like, hey, I found the thing. And then immediately they die. So they can't yeah. pass the thing along. And we've done it twice this season. And it's such a it's such a John Grisham thing. It's so like Bush League. Why are we doing this over and over? It's not okay. You have better ways to disseminate the information. Than, yeah. than doing the hey I found the thing and now I'm gonna die before I can give it to you. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I I was sad for it to happen to Mo, who was not like really a character that was deeply fleshed out by any stretch of the imagination. No, <laughs> but he was like a fun player on the board, and I think like clearly a confidant for Carolyn. And one of the things, I mean, what's going to happen? Just like in season four, they're going to have to like introduce a whole new set of characters in order to give Carolyn some people to operate with. Like, Carolyn's entire world is collapsing right now. Like, she just doesn't have scene partners uh, the deeper we get into this thing. Well, Carolyn has a different staff every season, basically. Yeah. So I don't really... I, I think she's accustomed to that. I think she's accustomed to the revolving door of um, of C-list actors that are going to work for her long enough to either die or get transferred somewhere better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess like she will have somebody to talk to in terms of spy hijinks, spy jinx, uh, because you now believe Geraldine to potentially be a super spy. Well, 
Well, it was just such a weird scene. Like something strange is going on in this scene with Constantine. Many strange somethings are going on here. And I just don't know what she is doing here. And I can't figure it out. And so apparently this has been going on behind the scenes because this is the first time that we have actually gotten proof that this is what is happening, Josh. This is something that's been happening off camera all season, apparently. That Don't love that. Don't yeah, love don't that. love that. It, it, it happens like you see them together one time at the beginning of the season and then in passing, she's like, oh, yeah, I, I made out with him. And Carolyn's like, ew. And then she's waiting in his house, like cooking him a fancy dinner and looking pretty and trying to seduce him. And I guess this is a thing that's happening and nobody said anything until now. I yeah. really need to see the development of this. That's weird. I guess maybe if we're going to be grateful for anything, it's that the show spared us the visuals of poor Geraldine and Constantine. Like, I just don't know if I need it. I don't know if I need it. I don't know if I need to see that in my life. I uh, would be willing to bet they filmed some scenes of it and they're like, these people have no chemistry with one uh -huh. another. Yeah. Because they really, like, they really don't. They're both terrific actors, of course. You know, I can't say a bad thing about Gemma Whelan, but they just, like, I don't buy them as a romantic couple. And I what don't is this scene doing in here? Because she seems like she's trying to please him in sort of the same way she's trying to please Carolyn, except she's not making wonky carrot stew. She's like cooking him steak, which is yeah. different and not yes. like her, which is weird thing number one. So she's putting on an act for either him or Carolyn. I don't know which it is. Thing number two, she just sort of drops in the middle of the conversation apropos of absolutely freaking nothing. Well, back home, my mom's on the verge of some discovering something big. It, why are you dropping that into the conversation like an anvil if you don't want him to pick up on it? You're, she's manipulating him in some way. To what end, I do not know. Is she activated by him? Is she getting information from Carolyn to give to him? Or is she manipulating him into some kind of position that she wants him to be in? What is going on here? I don't get it. Yeah, I think like it. So the, the, the simplest explanation could be that um, they hired uh, Yara Greyjoy to play a relatively mundane character who is like <laughs> the, the relatively normal daughter of super spy Carolyn Martins. She's not followed her mom's footsteps at all. And she's just here and she's just trying to get her mom to feel something. And she herself is just trying to feel something. And she finds herself drawn to Constantine and Carolyn in the episode previous indicated that Constantine's probably using you. He's got something up his sleeve. And so Geraldine's just like testing that. And that's the only reason she brings it up is because she wants to see if her mom is right. And that's her mom's instincts that are kind of like showing through her. So that would be like the simplest explanation for, for why it's going on. I think like the, if you're, if you're going on mole patrol with me, you know, as I guess one of my, I am now, you know, one of my favorite beats to walk, Jess, uh, if you're on mole patrol with me, then I, I think like, is Geraldine trying to rev Constantine up, um, because she has some sort of hooks into the 12 and she is knowing that, like, she knows Carolyn's side of things because she's living at Carolyn's place. Uh, she knows what the investigation into Kenny is like over there. Uh, and she's also getting a read on what Constantine seems to be up to, which is escaping which is which is leaving um so like if something happens in the finale where uh villanelle has somebody who's been like tracking her all this way through 
it wouldn't shock me if we end up with like Geraldine was somehow in involved in that. I think like we do have to take a side here though, because we've got one episode left, Jess. Is Geraldine going to be revealed to be a mole in the finale? And since I've been on that page all season long, I'm just going to say yes. Okay, but I want to I refine that a little bit further. Okay, let's do it. If Geraldine is a mole, who is she a mole for slash against? Is yeah. she working for the 12 to infiltrate Carolyn's stuff? Or is she working for MI6 to infiltrate Constantine's stuff? I think like, mm, and it's yeah. weird that we don't know. Yeah. We just know she's weird. And maybe some of that is just that she's Yara Greyjoy and we're primed to think she's weird. But this scene is so strange. I, I'm just waiting for her to axe murder somebody, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to see. I, I think it's coming. I think, or it could be one of those things like maybe she's just like the strange, awkward daughter. And then, oh, here we go. Here we go, Josh. Okay. She, Helene shows up and like she accidentally murders Helene in some crazy way. And that fulfills the promise of like the baddest bad guy who looks like they're going to be a scarier threat is dispatched really easily. And also something is strange about Geraldine because she accidentally just murdered somebody. Yeah, I, I could see that. And I, and the other thing that I could see, too, is depending on where we end, you know, between seasons two and three, there was already a bit of uh, a leap forward in time, right? Like a few months pass between seasons. Um, we could like vault like a couple years into the future or something like that before year four. Um, especially if like, I don't know. And I, I, I hate to even bring it up, but I do think that it's going to be a creative problem for a lot of shows, especially contemporary ones. How, how are they going to deal with like COVID-19 as a plot point in mm -hmm. reality? You know what I mean? Like, is that going to be something that's factored in? Uh, you know, the world that we're going to be living in is presumably going to be quite different. Uh, it already is. Uh, so, like, are they going to are they going to, like, engage in that? Is the is the fourth season going to pick up really quickly after where season three left off? Or are they going to go forward some point into the future? Uh, and if so, if that's the case, to bring it more on track rather than being super depressing, because, man, um, is it is it, is it possible uh, that, like, we could go forward in time and, like, Geraldine um, is now, whether as an effort of being closer to Carolyn or from Carolyn as a means of like bonding more with Geraldine or something mutual between them, like is Geraldine on the path towards becoming some kind of agent? Like, is this like Kim Bauer works at CTU in season three of 24? That's probably closer to what it is. And I just want to say, Joshua, the reason that I watch television right now is because nobody in the tiny little box is dealing with COVID-19. So I, know. I really do not want them to go there with that, even if I'm a little more over it than I am right now. Let's let TV be TV. Let's let them travel and let's let them you know that's not gonna encounter happen. people. I, I just I'm not I'm not ready to think about like sucking them into our terrible, bleak, sad world. This is this is why the fantasy shows are going to be where it's at. Yeah. You're not going to see Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings <laughs> reboot on Amazon, <laughs> wandering around with a mask. Uh, like at least that's not going to happen. Hey, can uh, you but... fly us to Mordor? No, I can't get within six feet of you. Yeah, yeah. Social distance. The fellowship is really spread out. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I mean, I guess they social distance they anyway. Spoilers. It's, the fellowship is now a quarantine bubble. Why do we keep spoiling Andy Circus material? <laughs> What's happening on the podcast this week? It's all well, out of control. Josh, this is not even the weirdest tangent we're going to go on this episode. Yet another oh, no. spoiler alert. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and any thoughts on what's up with with Constantine? Um, you know, he's trying to get Arena out. He can't get Arena out because Arena is, you know. <laughs> Josh, can we talk about the fact someone finally got arrested on this show? And then, it like, never and, like, happens. And is not like being allowed to get out of jail. Yeah. Like they're like, yes, yeah, sorry, your daughter is, you know, she, she killed a man. It was an accident, allegedly. Uh, but she seems pretty gleeful about it. Yeah, this was this was crazy making to me because we see like all of this horrible proudly brandishing her like toothbrush shank. Like, what the hell is going on? I mean, Ir- Irina is clearly like she's made for this line of work. Yeah. And I think that's been her trajectory, especially this season. But it's just funny to me. And I guess it's the difference. It's kind of the contrast between, you know, stone cold beautiful monster assassin villanelle who can do things elegantly and slip in and out and even make like a tiny mistake and be okay and arena who's like oh i can do that i'll just be like villanelle and it's like oh no i get arrested as soon as that happens right right uh i i really i really enjoyed that whole scene and like constantine trying to buy off the therapist <laughs> the spa yeah, like, coupon it's yeah, not even spa a spa coupon not even a coupon it's like a discount <laughs> Constantine's having a rough time. This is a tough season for Constantine. His daughter's arrested. That's ruining the plan to to get out of Dodge. Uh, And he almost has a heart attack in that moment. And then he does have the heart attack uh, in the train station. And I I really thought we were about to lose him. I really thought that that was going to be it for Kim Badina on the show. Well, we've had a penultimate episode where he gets shot and we thought he was dead before when Villanelle shot him. And kind of like we we've come full circle to that now they're gonna peace out to cuba together but yeah it was really surprising to me and now that he's woken up in the hospital and had some character things to do i think you can't say he's gonna die now well i think um you know this is typically the time where where you and i stop down uh, at a point in a season of a show that we are covering where lethality is involved mm-hmm. uh, and we're staring down the barrel of a finale to make some official predictions on the board. I'd like, uh, to, I'd like to make a motion to call this the Heads on Spikes draft in perpetuity. Yeah, that's fine by me. The Heads on Spikes draft, whose head is going to be on a literal or proverbial spike in the Killing Eve season finale? Who are we going to lose? Are we going to lose people? Um, and the cast is not quite as big as, say, The Walking Dead, the other show that you and I podcast about regularly, Jess. Um, and typically there, we would pick three and three. Do you want to still do that here? Or do you want to go a little smaller, two and two? Um, I think we should go two and two because three and three gets into like half the cast at this point. Yeah. Um, all right. How do you how do you want to do this? Uh I don't know who who goes first. I won the heads on spikes draft quite famously. Okay, so so. you get to choose. You can choose whether you want to go first or you want me to go first. Um, I think I'll be nice. I'll let you go first. Okay, that's not nice because you get the back to back, which is good. Yeah, smart. You got the you got you're in a better spot because I think like uh, you're kind of like shooting wildly here to some extent where you would think 
I don't know. I know that you're, I know if I don't take Dasha, you are going to. Uh, like, that's for sure, right? Like, that's definitely, like, you are really all aboard that Dasha's, Dasha's leaving on the next train to hell. Uh, and that we had so many opportunities to lose her in this episode, and we didn't. And my question is, why? Why is Dasha still alive if they're just going to kill her in the finale? And yet, of the main characters on Killing Eve right now, I just don't think that there is a better option. I do think Dasha has to be number one on the board of the death draft. I'll take Dasha. Yeah, I mean, Dasha has to stay alive long enough to scuttle everybody's plans. Yeah. I think that's where she's headed. And I see her, like, having her face all smashed up grossly and busting out of the hospital and going and messing things up for Villanelle and then dying in the process. I could right. see that happening very, very easily. I think she's going to die. I, I, I already don't love the pick. In fact, I'm thinking of somebody, somebody's coming to mind as I should have taken that person as my first pick, but hopefully they will remain available. Uh, I, I, think Dasha was, I think Dasha will die on Killing Eve eventually. I think that they're enjoying having Dasha as an ingredient on the board, and I, I think that she is going to make it into season four. But just for the official sake, on the death draft, Josh, we're going to pick Dasha first round pick. Just so I can't have her, basically. Just so you can't have her, basically, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead. It's a, it's, a spite, it's a spite pick. It's a head-on head spite pick. <laughs> head-on spite pick, yes. So I'm going to go ahead with my back-to-back picks. Uh, and it's weird to go ahead and pick somebody who we just met in this episode. But I think... I'm seeing a way that this happens um, in the finale. I think we lose Helene, the boss lady, and we lose her sidekick. They are basically, um, they are the Oren Ishii and Gogo Yubari of this universe. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's good. The mini boss and the big boss. And I think they go out in the finale and it, it throws some chaos into the 12 and it gets, Villanelle one step closer to where she wants to be. So I think she takes one or both of them out. And I think Helene is destined for a pretty ignominious, humiliating sort of death. Yeah. I mean, is the thing that we're going to see with her, is she going to be like, are they developing her as like uh, a bad guy across a few seasons? Or is she really just like the, the big bad of season three? And if she's the big bad of season three, then her time is definitely coming close to an end. I think Rianne, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, we, who, like a lot of different options for how she could go. Like, if she and Villanelle, and we get to see like the showdown between them, uh, as as the as the prophecy dictates, or since she just killed Mo, like how close to the Carolyn storyline is she right now? Uh, will you know Carolyn and Geraldine bond over killing Rianne? Something like that. Yeah, like I watch the two of them bond finally over having to hide a body. Yeah. Um, okay, so that leaves me with final pick. Uh, and the person who I would have uh, picked if I had thought about it harder is still available. Uh, I am going to pick uh, currently revealed to be working for the 12 sniveling uh, boss man, Paul. Uh, because like that is just a character that's going to die, right? Yeah, like, that's a character who dies. Yeah. And like if Carolyn has to like uh like take if she has to break some more shit right like in order to feel good about everything that's going on right now maybe she snaps and goes off and kills paul um i actually i i i feel a lot better about paul dying than i do about dasha dying yeah i i think now that you mention it he is someone like every time he's on the screen you want him to die 
Yeah. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to say, but I totally get it and yeah. completely agree. <laughs> like, I think like he probably killed Kenny, that bastard. Maybe not oh, literally. Sure. But I bet that he had a huge hand to play in it. That would that makes sense. Like, I don't think it, I don't think he gets his hands dirty. Like, I think he's right. one of those guys you shake his hand and there's like no like is they're perfectly baby smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like mine. Right. Like you've never done a minute of hard labor in your no, life. Never, kind of handshake. Never. So yeah. you would never push somebody. My out hands. Of window. No, God, right. no. Yeah. God, no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you don't, uh, my, you don't my, have my the, famous baby hands have never seen a day of hard labor. Yeah, but you don't Unless have you like furiously like typing uh, <laughs> uh, the keys. That's it. You know who else has those hands? Anderson who? Cooper. <laughs> oh, hey, speaking of mole patrol. Exactly. I'm just saying. <laughs> it might be a requirement of the job. I don't know. It, it could I don't be. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I would definitely have like an underling do my murdering for me, much like yes. Paul uh, certainly does the same thing. Um, so I think. Uh, <laughs> Um, my wife is obviously listening into our podcast guest <laughs> because she just texted to say, LOL, they're like soft churned butter, uh, is how she is describing my hands yep. to the world. The food scientist comes up with the food, perfect food metaphor uh, to describe your hands. Oh, Fox. Um, okay. Oh, wow. that, that's great. Um, I can't believe, uh, so like, we're not worried about Constantine, even though he's had a heart attack and he's sharing a hospital room with Dasha. I am not worried about the big four. If anything, yeah. I think if I were Dasha, I'd be worried, but any of the big four are going to be on the board at the beginning of next season. I don't think we lose any of them unless there's like a big shocker death at the very tail end of the season wow. finale. Yeah. But that, that could be a thing that they are holding back from us, but they've killed so many people this season. It just really feels like we need to keep those people in play. There's just too much unresolved for them. I don't think you can wrap it up in a way that makes any kind of sense. And I don't think that they're going to kill anyone from bitter pill, which may be naive, but it feels like they just introduced these people. They seem like they're new, like characters that are going to be fixtures on the board to some degree. They killed Kenny. I don't think that they're going to kill bear. I don't think Jamie's going to be in trouble. I think we're still meant to wonder uh, will even Jamie ever get together? Yeah, um, and it's weird that we didn't go down that road enough this season. Like, I can't believe yeah. we're looking at the finale and we don't have any answers for them. We don't have any answers about, like, the one female employee at Bitter Pill that was apparently Kenny's girlfriend. We never visited her again. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, Unless she's secretly a member of the 12. What if she's the one who killed yeah. Kenny? Yeah. <gasps> I mean, that actually does make some sense. Yeah, well, you're right. Like now, it makes real m- sense, but, you know. Makes more sense than Geraldine being the mole. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think that's probably right. Um, anything else from the episode before we get into the taste test? Well, there's one more theory we have not really talked about. Yeah. Um, Constantine could be the father of one or you know, both of Carolyn's children. Oh, God, if he's Geraldine's oh, dad. I, they can't, they won't go there. That can't be true, but he could be Kenny's. Yeah. I mean, maybe the reason we haven't seen any physical intimacy between Geraldine and Constantine is because it doesn't exist and they've just been like getting close. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe Geraldine yeah. just said she kissed him to troll Carolyn. Yeah. And yeah, then Carolyn's be. like, yeah, don't do that. That's your dad. Right. But, yeah, maybe maybe that is the reason we haven't seen that relationship develop because we are supposed to be thinking that it's romantic and what it actually is is long lost father daughter reunion. 
God, it's it's so so soapy. So it, much it soapier is. than I would have than I would have expected from Killing Eve. But yeah. I, I think that going into the finale, that being a potential reveal, uh, you could put that on the bingo card for sure, and you're probably checking that box. Yeah. Well, I, I think it comes out that he's the father of one of the children. Yeah, I think that that sounds good. Well, I don't know. Doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, so much nobody it, wants it. Sounds, <laughs> sounds possible. Sounds plausible. All right. So we've got one episode left in Killing Eve. We're going to be back next week talking about it. You can get your feedback in for the Killing Eve podcast, Killing Eve at postshowrecaps.com. You can tweet at us as well. I'm at Round Howard. Jess is at Haymaker Hattie. You can tweet at postshowrecaps. Uh, and those are the ways that you can you can get in touch with us about all things Killing Eve. Now, if you dare, if you'd like to stick around, um, I'm sorry. I'm going. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna taste some candy from the UK. I have some Cadbury products that I am going to taste test here on the podcast. And what's going to happen to your ears is you're going to hear me om nom nomming on candy. So if that sounds good. Then stick around. If that sounds bad, get out of here now. Just like, and if you're the kind of completist that you need to have like your full podcast, like hit maximum, like you you need you need it to like finish so it doesn't see it doesn't seem like so it's like unread in your podcast feed. Then just like fast forward to the end, hit the thirty seconds thing as many times as it takes to get to the end, or move the dial. Whatever it is you have to do. Because we're about to do it. And apparently... Yeah, so with all of that warning, just in (laughs) case you don't feel warned enough, (laughs) I have created a second warning. Just in case you didn't heed the first warning. All right, making sure to mark the time, too, right now. So in the show notes, this will be... yeah. Very clear when the when the warnings uh, need to yes. be issued. Mark those times and also oh, they're marked. They're marked. <laughs> we don't have you're you're going to have to put this in in post, of course, with yourself with your own reaction dubbed over okay. it. So okay. you know we we don't have a wand off rig here. So okay, well I'll figure that out. I'll figure out how to do it. Uh, Jess, I actually do have the capabilities of playing the song for you and I to listen to, but okay. I will have to put it in post for for the people to listen to, which I will happily happily do. Yes. Um, do you have anything that you need to set up before before we get into what we're about um, to get into? The only thing I need to set up is that this is on several different levels. This is arguably worse than anything Josh is about to inflict on you. <laughs> I'm so nervous. I got an email from Jess earlier today saying, do not play this until the podcast. And I am serious. Uh, and Jess, when you're serious, who am I to? I don't know if I I'm to... serious. For a <laughs> uh, all right. This is what quarantine has done to me. All right. Without further ado, we are. Do we have a, a, a name for the snack section of the Killing Eve podcast? Um. I I am petitioning to call it crunchy mouth sounds. Okay, crunchy mouth sounds. Uh, killing sleeves of Jaffa cakes. <laughs> yep, uh, is about to commence with this theme song. Crunchy mouth sounds. 
also, what's that got to do with Killing Eve? <laughs> Josh Wiggler wants to fill this pod with crunchy mouth sounds. You have been warned. This might be hard. The eating starts right now. Jessica Lee said it's the dumbest thing you've ever done. It is. It really is. I've only known you for like six years, but I think that that's <laughs> I, knowing knowing you for the six years that I've known you. That's the dumbest thing that I've known you to do, and I'm so glad that you did it. Yeah, wow. I, I did my own foley on that too. <laughs> yeah, can you describe the recording process for me, please? I need to know how did you make those crunchy mouths? <laughs> I I got my face up close to the microphone and I ate an apple in tune with the song. <laughs> Like, don't mind me just percussively crunching on an apple here. Uh, uh, I'm so mad that it took this long for us to do the crunch, the crunchy mouth sound segment on the Killing <laughs> Eve podcast. Uh, well, so well, that being the case, so I only have three snacks. Does that mean um, if we're going to do this podcast, we're going to do the finale podcast and potentially uh, like a feedback show, like a wrap up show? I don't think we're going to get any feedback we want to play. Not after that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Should we should we only do uh one one snack per three podcast? No, I think we should do all the snacks and then right now. Yeah, okay. do all the snacks right now and then we'll see what the feedback is. And then if we need to get more snacks, I will nominate some for you that I'm reasonably sure you can get in your little neighborhood. Okay. Well, there's also uh this is a good test of willpower. Uh can I hang on to the snacks? Right? Like yes. can I not go through all of the snacks between now and the next time we're recording the Killing Eve podcast. And just to talk about what the snacks are, okay? Um, so we've got three different kinds of snacks. And this is all inspired by Carolyn and Pour One Out for Mo on a stakeout eating toffee eclairs. Um, uh, and that was what got Jess and I talking like, oh, I've never had a toffee eclair. And then you're like, oh, you need a toffee eclair. And we looked it up and we, we went to a website, um, British Corner Shop. Dot co dot uk so straight from the uk uh placed an order on april 25th 2020 at 9 32 p.m and everything arrived last week uh, and i think it's still making its way to you right jess yeah i i don't expect anything to arrive in montana <laughs> in anything resembling a timely fashion so, uh, so uh and a not inexpensive endeavor uh not inexpensive Worth it worth it it was uh it was it was you know it was $44.88 for for all of you've these got snacks. a big box of stuff it's not a small box no i got a i got a good amount of snacks um and uh i don't know where you want me to start so we've got that we've got the toffee eclairs we've got a crunchy bar we have the jaffa cake i've had one of these uh i've had the crunchy bar the crunchy bar. Let's just start there. How about okay, that? Let's, let's start, start there. With, let's start. Let's start small. Let's start with the one that I know. So a crunchy bar. Uh, how would you describe a crunchy bar uh, for, for folks who don't know what a crunchy bar is? A crunchy bar has this stuff called honeycomb. It's not literal honeycomb inside it, but it's made from honey and it's covered in Cadbury chocolate. And it's very, you know, it's right there on the label. It's crunchy. Yeah. This is, like you would get this in like 
I don't know, our boat. Bodegas. They don't call them boat. No, they, they'd have news agents. That's where a you would new, get them. Okay. So you would, but like the way you would go to like a bodega or a deli or a store, a convenience store, and you'd see, or a supermarket, and there's the Reese's Pieces and the Kit Kat and the Take Five. Yes. Love me a Take Five. Uh, you would see a crunchy, and sometimes you do. Like I've seen crunchies in in the U.S. Uh, yeah, you can get them um, at uh, Calustians on Twenty Seventh and Third in Manhattan. They have that. They have a whole section of British chocolates, and Brooklyn Fair even has them. I think. Yeah, but, I've, I've loved I've loved crunchy bars since ninth grade when there was a foreign exchange student in my class named Owen, and Owen introduced uh, the the ninth graders of uh, Cold Spring Harbor High School. Uh, to to crunchies, uh, and wow, were we lit? We loved the crunchy, uh, and anytime I come across a crunchy, I have to go into into crunchy mode. Um, so let's let's begin with the crunchy. This is crunchy mouth sounds, the name of the segment. So I, I what I have in my hand is I have a, I have a chocolate candy bar. It's covered right now in a in a wrapper, part of a multi pack bar. It says not for resale. Um, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a picture of myself with the um with the with the crunchy bar. So uh put that in the in the podcast show notes and you'll see uh not for resale. Uh this will either be in the show notes or it will be on Instagram, but it'll be somewhere on the internet. Um Okay. Uh and in fact, uh as we're recording this, Jess, I think it's only fair uh and this is for the twenty thousand dollar patrons of uh, the Killing Eve <laughs> podcast. Uh, if I uh, if I put my camera on uh, so that you at least just can see me eating uh, the crunchy bar, can you see me right now? Um, I have to open. Yep, there you are. Okay, I see. There you. you are. Hi, Jess. All right. So so here we go. We've got we've got the the crunchy bar. Can you hear me opening it? Yep. Okay. I want to make sure that all of the audio is nice. Uh, feel free to take screenshots, Jess. All right. As we go here. All right. Final warning, people. I'm about to eat. Food on a podcast. It's the first time I've ever done something like this. I'm really nervous about it. I don't think this is going to sound great for anybody. This is so it's a chocolate bar covering it, uh, honeycomb, a candied honeycomb. So it's gonna it's called a crunchy bar. It's going to be very actively crunchy. All right, here we go. Uh, get me that ASMR. How is it? How how's the sound? Yeah, I, I can hear you crunching. Well, I know you can hear it, but is it deeply unpleasant or it's, is it kind of soothing? It's kind of soothing. I, I don't mind it, but I'm not a person that has a thing about mouth sounds. Mm-hmm. But if you have a thing about mouth sounds, you probably don't like it. I love the crunchy bar. Um, I'm holding it up to the to the camera, Jess, if you want to do a screenshot. I don't know if you have those okay. capabilities. Yep, I, keep holding it. I got it. I'm, hold, I'm holding it up to the to the to the uh, my webcam. Um, it's got like a kind of like a darker caramelized honeycomb center. Uh, where it's like it's sort of like a pale honeycomb surrounding a dark honeycomb in the yes. middle of the crunchy bar. I I love the crunchy bar. Uh, just to be completely transparent, Jess, um, last night I stayed up very late, way past my bedtime, and I definitely ate two crunchy bars. Uh, Amazing! In that's, the wee hours of, that's, of the morning. That's a nice. That's a nice way to cap your evening. Mm. You know, in okay. London. The first time I visited London in summer of 2000, inside the tube stations, you had vending machines with every Cadbury chocolate you could think of. And they oh, have man. since, I was in London last year, they have since removed those. Is Cadbury chocolate the best chocolate but for like a branded chocolate, not like a chocolatier? It depends on what you like in a chocolate. 
Mm-hmm. I think if you are a big milk chocolate person, I think you can't do worse. Mm-hmm. Or you can't do better, I mean. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it's I think it's quite delicious. And not the US Cadbury chocolate, which is totally different, but UK Cadbury chocolate is good stuff. I also like Milka out of Germany. Milka. Yeah. I mean, this is, this might be our this might be our like ten thousand dollar patron level podcast. Uh, yeah. When I get back to New York, I'm just gonna give you international <laughs> snack food to try because yeah, this is my wheelhouse. Crunchy mouth sounds might become a spinoff podcast. I, I, I think <laughs> I think it's gonna be hard. it's gonna be a thing. <laughs> all right, I've yeah, got one more bite of the crunchy, right. I, and I have to complete these snacks. You right? have to if eat I'm the whole snack. Dinner. Okay, well, if you hate it, you no, don't I'm, have a, to. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. I'm asking. I, I think I think you want to complete it, and I'm not going to tell you not to. I really love the crunchy bar, so I do want yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, the crunchy bar. Complete all the crunchy right, bar. So, the other two uh, are final small. Bite, so final bite of crunchy bar. Here we go. <laughs> It was very pleasant. Crunchy mouth sounds. I'm going to turn my camera on since yours is on. Yeah, I want I want to see your reactions to this. Hi, Jess. Hi. <laughs> so we can see each other now. Okay. All right, Jess. So we've got two options now for the next uh, of uh, the next of our crunchy mouth sounds offerings. We've got a bag of the toffee eclairs on which crunchy mouth sounds is based. <laughs> that is a, that is an option on the board. Um, and these were the Jaffa cakes. Are these the right Jaffa cakes? Uh, McVitie's. Um, I think McVitie's is a great brand. Um, so is, what is a Jaffa cake? I guess let's do the Jaffa cake. Let's save, let's save the one that's from Killing Eve for last. <laughs> let's save the relevant one for last. Let's save the relevant one for last. The, 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 so it's, a, it's like a box. It's like a Ritz cracker Oreo cookie-sized like sleeve mm-hmm. ba- uh, box of, of, of chocolate cookies. McVitie's Jaffa cakes. It's the original blend of Dark, crackly chocolate, light sponge, and the smashing orangey bit. That's what they say. It's the original blend of dark, crackly chocolate, light sponge, and the smashing orangey bit. Jess, I'm terrified. What is the smashing orangey bit? Um, it's kind of, it's like a very soft gummy. It's a little bit, it's a little bit disappointing when you know that that's all it is. It's pretty smashing. It's very orangey. It is a bit, but it's it's like it's like a very soft gummy. I think like the smashing orangey bit just is a bad description for whatever is coming next. Well, you didn't like, read in, it in, in the right of, like, accent. It, you, yeah. you oh, and the smashing orangey bit. The smashing orangey bit. Yes. Okay. All right. We're we're gonna get added by so many people. We're, <laughs> no one's mad about our crunchy mouth sounds, but furious with our accent. Um, I can't wait to see. Bo- <laughs> what part of this podcast is the most offensive oh my god suitable for vegetarians all right so here we go i've, I've opened up the sleeve of uh jaffa cakes and indeed cakey cakey in in quality uh it looks almost like um almost looks like a like a black and white cookie um but with only the black only the chocolate none of the vanilla um and i'm now gonna hold up all right you ready to take a screenshot jess all right, I'm ready. Here we go. This is a Jaffa cake. This is it. Okay. This is, it goes like this. Yeah, I don't, that side's boring. I'm not going to take a picture of that side. All right, I will, I will try and put uh, this, uh, the crunchy mouth sounds uh, segment of this podcast on video if, if uh, people want to see the taste. I, I think that's fine. Um, I think that's fine, right? Hold it up one more okay. time. I'm going to get a better shot. Okay, okay we're going to do it. It's kind of, it looks like it's sort of got like a caramelized, 
dark brown uh, quality to the like a burnt quality. So so what's going to happen? So like in the center of this, there's oh, I, I just like thumbed it a little bit. There's an orangey bit in here. I told you. You weren't wrong. You didn't you didn't misrepresent. Yeah. Soft gummy. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. So like just the, all around, it feels pretty soft. Like it's maybe like old. Like it's like it's uh, like my impression looking at it because it's relatively thick. Yeah, uh, it looked like maybe it would be like a graham cracker, like a crunchy graham no, cracker. It's but this sponge. feels like a, it's a soft cookie. It's a spongy yeah. cookie. And right. make sure you bite toward the middle. Like you don't want to bite where there is no orangey bit. Should I uh, pop the whole thing or do I want to uh, try and take this in a couple of bites? Um, I would bite into it. I think that's part okay, we're of gonna the... bite into it. We're going to bite into it. All right. Uh, if we're grading these on crunchy mouth sounds, I think clearly uh, the crunchy bar is a is a distinct number yeah, one. Yeah, this will not make a crunchy mouth sound. And What's the it going to sound is, like? It's, you know, it's not, I don't know if it's going to make a sound, to be okay. honest. I, I've never actually thought about this. All right. So here we go. This is the Jaffa cake. Uh, let's find out what kind of mouth sound a Jaffa cake makes. That made it's a pretty no, soft mouth sound. Yeah, basically no, sound no mouth whatsoever. sound. Very little mouth sound. I'm holding up the bitten cookie to the camera. So you can see there's like a little jelly layer between the cookie and the chocolate. This is a pleasant cookie. Yeah. I actually like this quite a bit. Oh, I'm a fan. I, I like them a lot. It's very soft. Very soft. I like the orange flavor. Um, yeah, I don't know that I would like go out of my way to eat a Jaffa cake. But if they are um, served to you, you'll certainly. But they're eat served them. to me if, like, if I was at a function, mm-hmm. like a wake, you know. I or, say, went to a meeting in London, and they just had a big heaping pile of Jaffa cakes in the middle of the conference table. Well, Jess, I have heard the rumor that meetings have biscuits. Uh, they do in London. I can confirm. S- so it doesn't surprise me that uh, meetings have Jaffa cakes as well. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna finish, finish, I have like a, a crescent moon shaped uh, Jaffa cake remaining to be eaten. Good yes. night, moon. I could clear a Jaffa cake in a single shot. Easy. No yeah, problem. You could, but I, I don't just, think I your just, first should be that. No, but no, my second will be. Yes. So I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat a second Jaffa cake. Does this really sound like nothing? I couldn't hear it, but maybe our listeners can hear it. And you could also bump it up in post. <laughs> Just make the mouth sounds very aggressive. All right. Yeah. One more Jaffa cake for the road. All right. I'm, 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 I'm jealous. So I'm going to eat like my boring, uh, my boring grown up snack here. What I, do you have? I have very, very dark chocolate. Ooh, but that's good stuff. You've got the, the Giardelli. Yep. The 86%. All right. Do you want to synchronize or should one yeah. of us uh, well, have a. OK. All right. Um, go ahead and, and nom your cake and then okay. I'll. Three, two, one, nom. What is the opposite of dead air <laughs> when you're just chewing? <laughs> Here's the other chocolate, thing. Chocolate air. Is this chocolate air? Chocolate air. Holy moly. <laughs> wow, how did he not make the sequel? It's I don't right know, there. man. And he could do one for each of the elements. <laughs> chocolate fire! <laughs> man, Chocolate Heart's a great song. Yes. Um, Obviously being an element. Yeah, and honestly, I would be very bad. Like, if we if we make this its own podcast, mm-hmm. it's going to be really bad um, because I, I have pretty bad TMJ, so when I eat, you can hear me eat. 
Yeah. So this might end up. We we this could be a, a Twitch stream spinoff, Jess. Mm, I, I don't like know. If, I don't know if uh, for the for the. Or, or it is really for the for the $20,000 patrons if you want to watch Jess and I eat candy on a podcast. Hey, we're, we're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks at this point. See what sticks. It's sticking to my teeth, and let's see if it sticks in, in your noggins, folks. All Speaking right, of here sticking in your teeth. Main event. You hear this? Yep, it's, oh, that, that's, a, that's the stuff. That is, that is a bag of toffee eclairs is, 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 is what I have here, folks. A bag of toffee eclairs. This is what Carolyn and Mo pour one out for Mo. Mo at the leaderboard. Mo, uh, R.I.P. Um, this is what they were eating on their stakeout. And so, what I'm looking for, I guess, with a with a with a toffee eclair, then is this is going to be a candy that's going to not quite distract me during a stakeout, but is going to keep me company during a stakeout. Right. That's kind of what what I'm expecting from a toffee eclair. Um, what should I be preparing for? Because as I'm feeling the toffee eclair, it is about the size of a Werther's caramel mm-hmm. or a Jolly Rancher, um, and about as firm, maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit more pliable than a Jolly Rancher. Yeah, it's like there's a little tiny bit of give here. It's got a little bit more give, and I think as it warms in your mouth, it's going to be chewy much quicker. <laughs> should I have? Uh, should I have done this early so that like? Because now we might be here for like 20 minutes just on a single toffee eclair, right? I mean, you might have to cut some out, and there's not going to be any good mouth sounds with this either. Oh, well, were there any good mouth sounds for any of this? <laughs> well, okay. This is all a little bit of hell, right? Like, that's, we're that's all in hell point. together, so this is hell. All right, let's do this. Uh, I'm going to open up the eclair. And now I'm, I'm not opening anything. I'm just wrestling with the paper. But because that's, a, that's a good sound. That's what it sounds I mean, like. All right. Get your big earphone cans on <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> All right. This is it. This is the this is the toffee eclair. It really does just look like a piece of caramel. Looks pretty nice. I like a good caramel. I have no idea what this is gonna sound like. I, I'm, I, I am No, I might see, I'm afraid that it is gonna sound like uh it is gonna sound unpleasant. I think this one is going to sound... If the other ones didn't sound unpleasant yet, I, I don't think this one's going to sound great. This is going to sound awesome. I don't All know right. what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. All right, Jess, count me in. All right, three, two, one, nom. Okay. That is a surprisingly <laughs> good mouth sound. Really? Well, I mean, if, if, we're, if our goal is mouth sounds... Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Then that constitutes a good one. I don't think people that have a thing about it would enjoy it. But <laughs> see, because it is what I expected is that I would basically just going to be like, I'm really working the caramel right now. Mm-hmm. Like lightly, I'm lightly gnashing on it because I can detect that there is indeed a chocolatey center. Yeah, in the there's middle. another element in there. Mm-hmm. There's definitely like a hard chocolatey center in the middle of this eclair, and it's not an eclair like you would get at a Parisian bakery. No. There's no shoe pastry on this. Mm-mm. Although no someone should. I'm surprised that no one on Great British Bake Off has come up with a. A toffee eclair? A toffee eclair eclair. Oh, Jess. Oh, you got it. Breaking news. Oh. Post show recapping now. Um, the first time we've ever said that. Um, <laughs> Probably not the last. I've got the dark chocolate center. Okay. It's, ver- it's very nice. It's not enough. Mm. It's not enough. What they need to do is dip those in chocolate so you have chocolate mm-hmm. and caramel and chocolate. 
chocolate shell, caramel bulk, yep. chocolate center. Yep. I think you're absolutely right. I, I think mean, that this, this is missing more chocolate. It's not as chocolatey as I want it to be. That's that's just like our uncultured American palate speaking here. But I, I, yeah. I also am disappointed by the crunch factor, which is to say there isn't really any. Yeah. It's, it's more like this is this is like chewy mouth sound, right? Listen. <laughs> like I'm chewing on gum. Jess is yeah. losing it. Yeah. We're losing it's... Jess. <laughs> Yeah. We're probably, I don't know, how many people are even here anymore? <laughs> I think a lot of we've people lost, turned it off we've lost the first a lot of second people. they heard me bite an apple. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. It is really important because uh, we, are on, we are on video right now that I replay the theme song <laughs> so that I can watch Jess's reaction to her, don't her own Don't make me work. listen to myself yeah. Jess, don't turn like off your time. camera. This is very important. Okay, we are once again, now that the candies are complete. <laughs> okay. It's time. Like bonus content. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's time to close out the crunchy mouth sound segment. One By last playing time. the theme song again. <laughs> this is from the great Haymaker Hattie. Crunchy mouth sounds. Doesn't want to go. No, nope. maybe save. It doesn't maybe want save. me to listen to it again. No, it really doesn't. Hang on, we're gonna we're gonna try it. We're gonna try it's this. It's fine one more time. if we don't. No, it's not. It's not fine at all if we don't. Very important that we hear it one more time. Nope. Oh, gosh. Crunchy mouth sounds. Let's get this in here. All right, we're very close. It's almost happening, people. <laughs> As I promise you, we'll, we'll get to crunchy mouth sounds momentarily. Josh Wiggler crunchy trying to sounds. alienate the last three people listening. <laughs> okay. One last time. And this will close out the podcast, everybody. Thank you for listening. And just for the record, Crunchy is number one. Uh, Jaffa Cakes is number two. The Chocolate Eclairs, the Toffee Eclairs, I am a little disappointed by. Uh, but I would get, a co- I would get the, the Jaffa Cakes again. For but sure. If you were at an old lady's house and she had a bowl of those, you would take one. I would take one. Yeah, absolutely I would. Absolutely I would. All right, here we go. You ready? Yep. One more time. One more it's, time. It's Crunchy Mouth Sounds. Take you away. We'll be back next week for the Killing Eve finale. Take care, everybody. Bye. But not by if you're watching the video and hearing us listen to <laughs> Crunchy Mouth Sounds. You should make people pay a lot of money to see this. Oh, God, it's not working. All right. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's cursed. It's cursed. It's, cursed. it's All right. magic powers. All right. That's it. All right. I can't, I, can't, I can't keep doing this. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Although I can't always put it in post, and I'm absolutely putting it in post. So now bye. Crunchy mouth sounds And also what's that got to do With Killing Eve Josh Wiggler wants to fill this pod With crunchy mouth sounds You have been warned This might be hard The eating starts right now.